Good morning, and welcome to Braille Institute. Thank you for joining us for our annual Macular Degeneration and Glaucoma Seminar and Innovation Fair. As many of you know, Braille Institute is a nonprofit organization that is dependent upon private donations for support. All of our wonderful programs and services wouldn't be possible without the support of our generous donors and volunteers. Today's seminar is made possible because of a grant from the Mita and George Rosenberg Foundation. This foundation has been generously supporting our annual macular degeneration seminar since 2004. Mita Rosenberg was an Emmy award-winning television producer, story editor, agent, and director whose career spans 65 years. She was diagnosed with macular degeneration in her later years and became a Braille Institute library patron. Asked what words of advice she would give someone else who has lost his senses, her response was truly inspirational. As long as you're alive, she said, you should be living. We're grateful to the Mita and George Rosenberg Foundation and its executive director, Sue Allweiler, who has been one of our most caring donors, regularly attending events in support of Braille Institute. Ms. Allweiler, would you please stand so we could thank you for your continued support. We're very happy to have you with us today. We've taken Mita's advice to heart with the creation of our Low Vision Wellness Public Education Campaign, which provides useful tips and information to help people with low vision live their lives to the fullest. We would also like to extend our gratitude to our community partner, Enhance Vision, one of the leading developers of accessible technology for people with low vision and to the Retina Institute of California, the largest retina group in the Western United States. The Retina Institute's mission is to promote excellence in the care of diseases of the retina, vitreous and macula. At the Retina Institute of California, doctors utilize the latest modern equipment to help accurately and effectively diagnose retinal conditions and to provide all of the most current treatments, including many available only through research protocols. We would also like to extend our gratitude to both Enhanced Vision and the Retina Institute of California for supporting Braille Institute's efforts to educate and inform the public about living well with low vision and the many ways to stay connected through technology. In doing so, our partner, Enhanced Vision, has generously offered to sponsor a special promotion called Staying Connected with the Pebble. If you haven't had an opportunity to add your name to the drawing for their free handheld Pebble HD magnifier, which is valued at more than $600, we will have forms available for you during intermission. The Pebble's small, lightweight design makes it a perfect companion for magnification at home or on the go. The winner of the Staying Connected with the Pebble promotion will be drawn at the conclusion of the event today. And remember, you must be present to win.
Dr. Michael Davis of the Retina Institute of California completed his undergraduate and medical degrees through an accelerated program at Kent State University and the Northeastern Ohio University's College of Medicine. He graduated summa cum laude with a Bachelor of Science degree from Kent State University. After earning his medical degree, Dr. Davis completed his internship and his ophthalmology residency at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, where he served as chief resident. Dr. Davis specializes in the medical and surgical management of many retinal conditions, including diabetic retinopathy, macular degeneration, dislocated intraocular lenses, macular holes, and retinal detachment. He has published several peer-reviewed articles in a wide variety of medical journals and has presented his work at both national and international conferences. He is a member of the Society, American Society of Retinal Specialists, the American Academy of Ophthalmology, the Association for Research in Vision and Ophthalmology, and many other high-profile professional organizations. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Michael Davis. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be back here. Um, I know I see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd. Um, I just want to say uh, before I start the lecture this morning that for those of you that have seen me lecture before, um, you know, my style is very informal. So as we go through, if there's any questions, please feel free to stop me. Um, and ask your questions as we go along. Um, I would like to ask also that um, I, uh, if, they are, if it's a personal medical question about your personal health, um, I would prefer not to answer it in front of everyone. You can grab me um, uh, in the back after, after my lecture, okay? Um, so this morning I'm going to be talking about age-related macular degeneration. Before we can talk about age-related macular degeneration, we need to learn um, a little bit of the terminology that we use when we describe this disease. Well, the first thing is the retina. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the eye, what is the retina? Well, it's the seeing tissue that li lines the inside of the inside wall of the eye. Now, if you think of the eye like a camera, the front of the eye is like the lens of a camera, and then the back of the eye where the retina is, is like the film of the camera. So the retina is analogous to the film in the camera. It's the actual area where uh, the light hits and converts it into a signal, which then can be interpreted by your brain so that you can see uh, uh, what your eye is seeing. Now when we talk about macular degeneration, the macula isn't a specific organ in the eye. It's actually a region of the retina. It's the very center part of the retina where fine and detailed vision occur. And that's where this disease, age-related macular degeneration, affects. There's many other diseases that affect the same area um, of the retina as well. So what is age-related macular degeneration? Well, it's a degenerative disease that affects the macula, which can lead to central vision loss and blindness. Now, there are other forms of macular degeneration, um, but this morning we're only going to be talking about the age-related form of macular degeneration. It is the leading cause of blindness for patients in the United States over the age of 50. So it's a very severe 
um, and uh, important problem in our society. So who gets macular degeneration? What are the risk factors? Well, as the name applies, as you get older, you're at a higher risk for developing it. It's called age-related macular degeneration for a reason, because it's more common as you get older. Generally, the patients are over 50 years old, and once you reach 80 years old, that's when the risk really increases. It's more common in females, about two to one times chance of developing macular degeneration if you're a female versus men. And it's also more common and less pigmented. So Caucasians have the highest risk of developing macular degeneration. Now, if you look at this graph here, this shows the prevalence by age. It's about 50 years to the left of this graph. And by the time you get up here, this is greater than 80. So you can see there's a large increase in the cases of macular degeneration as the population ages. This graph here to the right is showing men versus women. As you can see, it's about 2 to 1. The green is the women, and the yellow is the men. So about 2 to 1 uh, women to men. Well, what are some other risk factors? Well, cigarette smoking. This is one of the biggest preventable risk factors for macular degeneration. Um, you can't do much about getting older, but you can certainly do a lot about smoking. So that's the number one thing I tell my patients when they have any signs of macular degeneration, or even if they don't have signs of macular degeneration, is to stop smoking. Uh, patients who smoke have a seven times increased risk of developing severe vision loss from their macular degeneration if they don't stop smoking. And blood pressure, high blood pressure has also been seen as a risk factor for developing macular degeneration. So my patients with macular degeneration, I make sure that they get their blood pressure checked and make sure they stay on their medications that their doctor recommends them to take. Other risk factors, it's thought that years and years of UV exposure or sunlight exposure lead to macular degeneration. Basically, sunlight does a lot of damage to both the skin, but it can also do damage to the eyes, and it creates um, you know, different uh, uh, chemicals that can cause damage to the retina, which then lead to development of macular degeneration. So in patients, I always recommend that they wear sunglasses, um, especially younger patients with a family history of macular degeneration, to try to prevent their overall exposure to these UV radiation light from the sun. There's also dietary factors. So high-fat diets are associated with a greater risk of uh, macular degeneration, as well as high cholesterol diets and obesity. Um, so I always tell my patients to try to eat more healthy, try to lose weight, and that will decrease their risk of developing more severe macular degeneration. There's also protective nutrients. Um, there's high levels of zinc can be protective, vitamin E, beta carotene, and other forms of vitamins like uh, beta-carotene, like lutein and zeaxanthine. And we'll go into that a little bit more in detail when I talk about treatment and prevention of macular degeneration. It's also uh, inherited. There's a lot of genetics behind macular degeneration. We know that if you have a first-degree relative with macular degeneration, you have a four times risk of developing severe macular degeneration versus the general population. And that's what's being shown on this graph here. The blue is the general population. So by the age of 80, the general population has about a 10% risk of developing macular degeneration. And if you have a first-degree relative, that's about 40%. So four times the risk if you have a family member with macular degeneration. They can develop macular degeneration 
Um, and oftentimes, patients who are born early, and what the gentleman is asking about is premature babies, when they're born, their retina hasn't fully developed, so they can def- develop problems in their retina from being born premature. Um, and that in itself can lead to loss of vision. Sometimes those patients, though, even if they don't have severe loss of vision as a child, their eyes tend to be more nearsighted as they grow up. And those patients more often will develop what's called myopic macular degeneration or macular degeneration because they're so nearsighted. Um, So they can develop a severe form of macular degeneration. Generally, it's not um, technically the age-related form, though. Uh, Myopic macular degeneration. And myopic just means nearsighted. Now, we do have, I was talking about genetics and macular degeneration. There are some commercial tests that we sometimes will use for patients to determine their risk of developing more severe forms of macular degeneration. Um, And it's a swab that we can do in the office, and we send it to the company, and they analyze their genetics for specific genes that can then, um, that are known to be high risk for developing macular degeneration. And then we can give the patient um, some guidance as to whether they should you know, modify their diet, um, be more vigilant about losing weight, or um, stop smoking, although I would always recommend that they stop smoking. What about artificial uh, retinas? Have they developed anything with artificial retinas yet? And glaucoma, um, is there any way that they have to, um, to uh, clear glaucoma other than operations and stuff like that? I don't trust operations. Um, we are talking to a surgeon, so. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but you're talking to a man who has one blind eye and one eye with glaucoma. No, I know. And, um, you know, uh, you, if you've got one blind eye and one eye that, that sees fairly decently, um, you, don't, you don't want to uh, uh, trust that fairly decent eye to a surgeon. <laughs> right. No, I understand why you'd be hesitant. Yeah. Um, on your question about artificial retinas, um, there is some development in that field. It's mainly for, at this point, uh, being used for patients with retinitis pigmentosa that have severe complete vision loss. Now, when we talk about macular degeneration, this is mainly central vision loss that these patients are experiencing. So they still maintain their peripheral vision um, with macular degeneration. Um, so the artificial retina program is not being used as much for, for macular degeneration. I will talk a little bit more about some things we're doing at the Retina Institute for macular degeneration. We are involved with some stem cell research to try to get the retina to regenerate. And there's also some other medications that we're using to either inject into the eye or inject into your blood to stop the progression of the macular degeneration. But a lot of those are still in the experimental phase at this point. Oh, well, do you have experimental programs? For that we do, might yes. Be able to get in? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll need to see you later. Then. And then for your question for glaucoma, my associate, Dr. Bachman, the next lecture is actually all about glaucoma. Mm-hmm. So uh, best if you hold your question for Dr. Bachman when she comes to give her lecture, and she'd be happy to answer your question. All right, thank you. He had asked, he, he says that he has glaucoma and is losing vision and my wants father, to know. If my father went blind. Your, his father went blind and, yeah. he's, and you're losing vision now because right. of glaucoma. Um, so there's a lot of treatments for glaucoma, which Dr. Bachman will be speaking about in the next lecture okay. um, as far as drops and different surgeries and things. So Thanks much. You're welcome. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Uh, what are the sim- symptoms of uh, macular degeneration? 
What are the symptoms? So initially there aren't many symptoms, but once it starts to develop, um, basically you can have either blurred vision or waviness in your vision where straight lines look uh, distorted or are missing uh, areas. But it does not have any pain or anything like that. So it's not a painful disease. Often, and in most patients, they don't have any symptoms when they first develop the macular degeneration, which is why we monitor patients very closely because often we can see progression of it, or if it, and we'll go into the different types of uh, macular degeneration, but sometimes we can see where it's starting to develop a problem where we need to do treatment before the patient even has symptoms. So it, that's why it's once we d- diagnose somebody with macular degeneration, that's why we follow them every few months to watch for any changes. Yeah. Um, because often we can detect changes before it starts to affect their vision. Um, so how many people in the, in the country have macular degeneration? Well, it's estimated that the early stages of macular degeneration is about 7.5 million people in the United States. So it's a, a lot of people who have early signs of macular degeneration. And these would be the patients that I talked about that would have no symptoms and may not even know that they have signs of macular degeneration in the eyes unless their doctor tells them that they do. Now, about 3.5 million people have what we call high-risk macular degeneration. These patients may have mild symptoms from the macular degeneration, but not severe symptoms. Um, But again, these are patients that are at higher risk for then going on to develop more severe macular degeneration. And then patients with severe macular degeneration, these are usually patients with at least some vision loss or some vision uh, problems from it, is about 1 million for what we call the dry form of macular degeneration. And I'll go over in a minute the dry versus the wet. And then about 1.5 million with wet. Um, So about 2.5 million people with severe vision loss from macular degeneration in the United States. And that number is increasing. If you look at the year 2000, it was about 1.75 million. And it's estimated that by the year 2020, uh, it's about almost 3 million. So it's almost a 50 to 60% increase in the incidence of macular degeneration. And the main reason for this is that the population, patients are living longer. And you have the baby boomer generation that's now coming into the age where they're developing macular degeneration as well. So when we talk about macular degeneration, you may hear two terms or two types of macular degeneration. So we classify macular degeneration as either being dry or wet. Now, they aren't two separate diseases, but what they are is basically a continuum of the same disease. So most often, patients start with the dry form of macular degeneration, and then some of those patients then go on to develop the wet form of macular degeneration. So the dry form is the most common. So patients who are early stage, who don't have many symptoms, will have the dry form. And it's about 10% of the population over the age of 50 or 55 will have early signs of macular degeneration of the dry type. Now, the wet type is the more severe type and usually presents with severe sudden vision loss in patients. Now, about 10%, so one out of 10 patients, with the dry form of macular degeneration will then go on to develop the wet form of macular degeneration. There's certain things that we see on exam that can give us a clue as to who's at higher risk. The genetic test is one way that we can tell who is at higher risk as well. But this is why it's very important once I see a patient with macular degeneration, depending on how severe it looks in their eye, 
I may follow them more frequently. Some patients I may say I need to see them once a year or twice a year, but there's other patients that I say I need to see them every three months, maybe even every two months, depending on how severe their changes are. Now, what do we see when we look in the eyes in a patient with macular degeneration? Well, the basic thing, the basic lesion of macular degeneration is called a drusen. And in this picture here, that's what these yellow spots are. And what those are is it's basically a buildup of waste product underneath the retina that builds up after years and years of aging and light changes and everything like that. The way I explain this to patients, it's similar to just as you get older and you start to get some age spots on your hands, some patients can also develop age spots in the back of their eyes. And that's very similar to what the Jerusalem is. Now, it can go from anywhere from being mild to more severe. And that's what these pictures here show. They may just have a few little of these age spots or it might start to have a lot more of them where it almost looks like the whole back of the eye is covered in them. And then as it progresses even further, they can have the age spots as well as clumping of pigmentation or brown spots, and that's more severe. Now, in patients with dry macular degeneration, I mentioned that this is usually the less severe form, but these patients, even if they don't convert to the wet form, the more severe form, they can still have vision loss. And the way that they develop vision loss is after years and years of having these age spots, they can start to have a wearing away of the retina and they can develop what's called atrophy or a loss of the retina where they get these atrophic areas where the retina can no longer function or see. When they develop a severe loss of this, it's what we call geographic atrophy. And this is when the whole center part of the retina is basically worn away, and now they have severe central vision loss from macular degeneration. And the way I explain this to patients, it's almost if you have this carpet here and you walk up and down the middle of the carpet for about 80 years, you'll start to see a path worn away where you've been walking. And that's similar to what happens in the back of the eye and the retina. You get a wearing away of the retina just with aging. And some patients develop this from their macular degeneration. Now, I mentioned the, tor- the term wet macular degeneration. Again, this isn't a separate disease than dry macular degeneration. But what it is, it's when these areas where these age spots are become weak enough there's abnormal blood vessels that can sometimes grow through these and cause bleeding or fluid to develop under the retina. And when that happens, patients usually happens pretty suddenly within a day or two. They can have a loss of central vision where they have a dark spot in their vision if there's some blood or straight lines that once were straight like like the doorway might start to look bent or distorted. Um, Those are signs that they may have bleeding or fluid underneath the retina. And that's when we call it the wet form of macular degeneration. And this is a graph. This is the, a cross-section of the retina, and these are the abnormal blood vessels growing under the retina, leading to blood and fluid under the retina here. It's almost analogous to a weed growing through a crack in the sidewalk. So you have a crack in your sidewalk, which is the weak area in the retina, and over time, these abnormal blood vessels find their way through that crack and cause basically a weed to grow under the retina. So why do we differentiate between the wet form and the dry form? Well, the first reason why it's important for prognosis. In general, patients with the dry form of macular degeneration have a better prognosis. And although they can develop vision loss from the macular degeneration, it's, a very, it's usually a very slow process. So gradually, over years and years, they would develop central vision loss. Whereas a patient with wet macular degeneration, the prognosis is poorer and they usually develop more sudden vision loss. It's also important for treatment. 
Is there any treatment? There is, and I'll go over that in just a minute. That can be given to prolong the loss. Uh, there is, and I'll go over that in just a minute in a couple slides, okay? Thank you. Um, so it is important for treatment, and just as the gentleman in the back asked, is that for the wet form of macular degeneration, we do have very effective treatments. For the dry form, we don't have very effective treatments. For the dry form, we recommend um, basically lifestyle and dietary changes, which we'll go over in a minute. And as I mentioned earlier, for more severe forms of the dry form of macular degeneration, we are involved with some studies to try to develop some treatment for this because at this point there is no known treatment. So how do we as retina specialists diagnose macular degeneration? Well, when you come to our office, oftentimes you'll be referred by either your optometrist or your general ophthalmologist, or you may come in on your own if you notice that you have loss of vision. And what we do in our office is we'll check your vision, we check the eye pressure, and then we'll dilate the eyes. So we put those drops in that everybody loves, that open the pupil and make you very sensitive to light. But, but that's the only way that we can see into the back of the eye is by dilating the eyes. So unfortunately, we have to do it. But if you can invent a way for us to examine your eyes without dilating them, you'll be a billionaire. And then after we dilate your eyes, we'll do a complete exam, which involves looking with a lot of bright lights, which everybody likes as well. And oftentimes, just from that, we can tell whether you have macular degeneration and whether it's the wet form or the dry form. But oftentimes, it's difficult to tell, and we have to do some special testing. One of the tests we do is called an optical coherence tomography, or OCT for short. And this is basically a scan of the retina, and it, it's almost like a CAT scan in some sense, but it doesn't have any radiation like a CAT scan does. But it takes a cross-section picture of the retina so we can see the detail and see if there's any fluid or blood or anything within the retina. We'll often take pictures so that we can either you know, help us to determine what you have or to help follow the progression of the disease. And then another test that everyone likes when they come into our office is called a fluorescein angiogram. And for this test, um, it's a special test that, you know, generally only retina specialists do this test. But what we do is we inject a dye called fluorescein into a vein, either in your arm or your hand, and then take a series of pictures of the back of the eye to look at the circulation. Now, we do this test for both macular degeneration and for a lot of other diseases. So if you go to your doctor and he does this test, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have macular degeneration. And then it takes high-resolution pictures of the back of the eye of the retina, and it also we take a video so we can see this in real-time motion um, when we see it played back. And this is really the best way of determining whether you have dry or wet macular degeneration. This is an uh, example of the OCT test that I talked about. And what it does is it takes a cross-section picture of the retina. So this is actually somebody's retina. This little dimple here is the very center of vision. This OCT is fairly normal, mm -hmm. although there are some little bumps under the retina here. And these are actually the drusen, or those age spots that I talked about. Normally, it should be flat like this. But this patient has a few little bumps under the retina, and those are the age spots. Now, this patient has more severe changes. This patient actually has fluid within the retina, which are these big black areas here. There's fluid underneath the retina as well. So this patient has the wet form of macular degeneration, and we can tell that just from their OCTs. So your doctor tells you have macular degeneration. Now what? Well, as I mentioned, for a dry macular degeneration, we don't really have a good effective treatment. So it's basically modifying lifestyle. 
So the first thing that I tell all patients, and I tell all my patients this whether they have macular degeneration or not, but stop smoking. Smoking is very, very bad for you, both for your eyes and for your overall health. And then I talk to them about dietary modifications. So I tell them to eat a lot of healthy things like green leafy vegetables, spinach, kale, all those yummy things, fish. Um, and then if they do have more severe signs of the dry macular degeneration, there are some special vitamins that uh, patients can take. And those are called the ARIDS vitamins or the A-R-E-D-S vitamins. And those were developed by a big study done by the National Eye Institute called the uh, Age-Related Eye Disease Study. And basically, these have high doses of vitamin C, E, zinc, copper, lutein, zeaxanthine, and omega-3. And the other thing that I tell patients with the dry form of macular degeneration, it's very important for them to monitor their vision at home because I can't see them every day. Um, and so we give them what's called an Amsler grid. And that's what this is here. It looks basically like a piece of graph paper with a dot in the middle. And I tell them to check each eye individually so they cover one eye and look at the dot, and they want to make sure all the lines are straight. Now, your doctor may give you one of these for other diseases because, as I mentioned, the area of the retina that the macular degeneration affects also is affected by other diseases. So just because your doctor gives you this graph doesn't necessarily mean you have macular degeneration. But this is one of the tools that we use so that you can monitor your vision at home. And this is an example of what it might look like if a patient started to develop problems from macular degeneration. They can get a dark area with some wiggly or distorted lines. And if that happens, I tell them to call the office and get in to be seen within a day or two. Now, the gentleman in the back asks, well, what happens if you have wet macular degeneration? What do we do? So, well, first I give the same recommendations as for dry macular degeneration. Stop smoking, and then we'll put them on uh, the vitamins and tell them to modify their lifestyle. But we also have some good medications that have been developed recently in the last several years to treat the wet form of macular degeneration. There's three basic medications we use, and depending on you, know, you and your doctor's discussion, they'll determine which of those to use. And it is a monthly injection into the eye, usually until the, macular de until the leaking or bleeding stops, but oftentimes patients may need these injections for the duration of their life um, to maintain good vision. Does the shot hurt? It does not hurt. So you would think sticking a needle in the eye hurts, but we give you a lot of numbing medication to make it as pleasant as it can be. Uh, we don't knock you out, but we do. Uh, uh, it's done in the office, so it's not done. Because it's monthly, you, know, you don't go to an operating room or to a surgery for it. It's actually done in our office under a local, basically just eye drops and a little numbing injection and then an injection into the eye. And most patients say that they don't even know that I've done it at the time. Now, after the shot, the eye may burn a little bit, um, but for the most part, by the next day, the eye goes back to feeling normal. Um, and as I mentioned before, it is a chronic disease. So macular degeneration, both the wet and dry form, are chronic, and patients need close and frequent follow-up for both of these diseases. Question. I have, yes, I have a question. You're mentioning an injection, but I've also heard that laser is used to treat this. And uh, how is this done and when? So in today's day, we don't use laser very often for macular degeneration. In the past, we used to use laser because we had no other treatment. And all the studies done on laser basically showed that patients who, didn't have the, who had the laser still had severe vision loss, but the loss was less 
than it would have been if they didn't have the laser. And in fact, they usually lost vision right away and then it maintained itself. So it was a pretty tough sell to patients to say, you know, I'm going to do this treatment. Your vision is going to get worse by tomorrow, but four years from now, you're going to see better than you would have if I didn't do the laser. So as you can imagine, there wasn't a big lineup for the laser treatment for this. Um, now, there are some instances where the laser still may be used, especially if the leakage is not right in the center of vision. Sometimes the laser will be used. There's also another type of laser that's sometimes called a cold laser, and this is a type of laser where we inject a medicine in the vein, and then it's activated by infrared light. And again, this is something that um, was more popular before we had the injections, but is very rarely used now. She asked if there were if viral macular degeneration. There are certain viruses that can cause changes in the macula of the retina, which is the same area that mac the age-related macular degeneration affects, uh, but they're not related. But a patient could have both at the same time as well. You know, if a patient at one point had developed a type of viral macular degeneration, you know, they could still go on to develop age-related macular degeneration. She asked if the medicines that we inject into the eye will have any um, interaction with other medications the patient may be taking. And I said in general, no, because most of the medicine stays right in the eye. It stays very local inside of the eye for the most part. Now, if you're on a blood thinner like Coumadin or Plavix, oftentimes after the injection, the eye will turn very, very red, which looks really scary, but it doesn't do any harm to the eye. But that would be the one thing with the injections that... You know, if you're on a systemic medication like aspirin or Plavix, Coumadin, Warfarin, something that thins the blood, you'd be more likely to develop a very red eye right after the shot. Uh, generally, the age of 50. Oh, it's over here. Um, usually, before the age of 50, we don't classify it as age-related. After the age of 50, we classify it as age-related. It's very, very rare for patients under the age of 50 to develop age-related macular degeneration. Generally, if they do, it's... Um, usually a form of an inherited macular degeneration, not necessarily age-related. Uh, read the instructions on the bottle because it varies depending on which brand you get. Some of them are four vitamins a day. Some are two a day. Um, so there's several different companies. There's Preservision, Occuvite, uh, Macular Health Formula, um, and several others. But the important thing to look at on the bottle is to make sure... Um, and remember, only take these if your doctor has told you you have macular degeneration and you should take them um, because they do have high doses of vitamins and you don't want to just be taking them thinking that's going to prevent it because there's no evidence that it prevents it unless you have signs of macular degeneration already. Um, but the important thing to look on the bottle is the AREDS or the AREDS um, because that will have the... Uh, the right dosages of the vitamins based on the study. Dr. Davis? Yes. Can you please educate me a little bit about the injection they in, uh, inject into the eye. Now, can you please explain to me do you how want me to, effective... Do you, maybe there's a volunteer we can demonstrate. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, you just need to explain for me, sir. I, well, I actually have how, a video of it, but I thought that might be too much okay, for this early in the morning. No, so. I just wanted to know. You know, I've had that procedure done. Right. And so generally what, what I do in my office is we, the, uh, we'll put some eye drops in the eye that numb the eye first, and then I usually give a little shot of medicine to further numb the eye um, just under the white part of the eye, um, and then that numbs the eye. 
And then we put what's called a lid speculum, where it's almost like a metal clamp that keeps the eye open. And then um, the needle actually goes through the white part of the eye, just behind the color part of the eye. Um, and, that, and then we inject the medicine there. Yes, but what I'm, my question to you is this. I understand from you explaining that they stopped using that procedure. That we stopped using it? Yeah, they don't use it. No, no, no. The laser we don't use very much. Oh, the laser? The injections, we still do a lot of injections. Oh, you do the injections? Yeah, Yeah, we still do a lot of the injections. That's the best treatment that we have right now for the macular degeneration. Okay, is it effective, sir? It is very effective. Okay, because when I had that procedure, it wasn't successful for me. And they indicated that I fall within 2%. Yeah, you fall in a very small percent. So about 95 to 98% of people who get the injections will at least maintain the vision that they have. About 30 to 40% will actually get an improvement in vision. And so less than about 5 to 2%, 2 to 5% will actually continue to have vision loss despite getting the injection. Okay, well, the so it's a very low percentage that still have vision loss even with the shots. Well, me, it, it, it took my sight away, and I never had that sight in that eyes no more. It took it away. <laughs> so that's the reason why I ask. You okay. know, the little sight I had was... Um, so there are some inherited forms of macular degeneration that, you know, that could happen with. With the age-related type that we're talking about today... Um, it's not really a direct inheritance, but you, they, the daughter or son would be at a higher risk, a four times risk than the general population of developing it later in their life. Going back to the retina, could you possibly tell us what are the developments as far as the stem cell is concerned or the treatments for uh, uh, geographic atrophy or the new thing they call nano-retina? So what we're doing at the Retina Institute, we're actually involved with a study with Johnson & Johnson where we're using stem cells and we implant these stem cells under the retina near the geographic atrophy to try to regenerate that retina that's lost. Um, and right now we're about to start the phase two trial, so it's still very early um, in the trial, but there has been some success, so it is very promising. Um, I'm not as familiar with the nano retina that you're, that you're t- speaking of, though, um, but I am familiar with the stem cells. Yeah, does... Uh Macular degeneration affect certain races and cultures more so than others? It does. So it's more prevalent in uh, races and cultures that are more lightly pigmented. So Caucasians are at the highest risk. So Scandinavian, um, anybody with fair skin is a higher risk. It's basically, um, so the retina, when it sees light, there are certain parts of the retina that are given off as waste product. When you're young the tissue underneath the retina can clear that waste product away. As you get older, that tissue under the retina becomes less effective and you basically get buildup of waste product under the retina. There's, anyway. You can't get rid of it. Right. So there, um, you know, changing your diet will help prevent it from getting worse, but there's really nothing to get rid of those age spots under the retina. So there's three different names of the medicines. One is called Avastin. One is called Lucentis, and the other is called Ilea. Uh, Avastin and Lucentis are very similar um, in the way that they work. And there was actually a big study done by the National Eye Institute to compare the two, and it found that the two were uh, pretty equal in efficacy. Um, the Lucentis is the one that's FDA-approved 
for use in the eye. Avastin we use what's called off-label um, for the eye, but it was actually the first one that we used. And then they then took that Avastin and modified it and changed it basically into Lucentis and marketed it. The other difference between the two is the Avastin is about 50 to $75 a dose. Lucentis is about $2,000 a dose. So it's much, much more expensive. Um, in general, in my practice, I generally start with Avastin as my first line of treatment for this disease. And most patients do very well being treated with Avastin. The ILEA is the newest of the three medications, and it works in a little bit of a different way than the Avastin and the Lucentis. And generally, what I do is if the patient is not responding as well to the Avastin, I then change them over to ILEA um, at that point. Um, ILEA is also very expensive, though. Uh, it's also about $2,000 a dose. Question? Yes. Uh, I have a question. Is it possible in one family, the sister to develop retinitis pigmentosa and was able to work and see to walk on the street, while the brother at the age of 45, he wasn't able to read or write, but he is still at the age 67, he could see in the dark and he could see any time, but he cannot read or write. Is that macular degeneration? But the older sister, she has uh, retinitis pigmentosa. Um, so generally, retinitis pigmentosa usually affects the peripheral and night vision first. Exactly. So from what you're telling me, it doesn't sound like the brother has retinitis pigmentosa. He may have macular degeneration because but it's more of his But he can see reading. even in the dark, and he can help me sometimes to walk, you know. Right. Not sometimes, all the time. Right. It sounds like his problem may be different than her problem. But it's really hard to tell based on symptoms because oftentimes even patients with macular degeneration or retinitis pigmentosa will have varying degrees of the disease. So just like people can have mild macular degeneration and some people can have severe macular degeneration, mm. some people may have more mild forms of retinitis pigmentosa and some people may have more severe forms of it, even if they're in the same family. Mm. Of course, that brother, he is still working and he can see in the dark even, but he cannot read. <laughs> right. Right, which is why, you know, usually retinitis pigmentosa affects night vision as one of the first signs. So my suspicion is he may not have retinitis pigmentosa. He may have a different problem. Uh, yes, I mean, a lot of patients, especially if you catch it early, will have a great response to it, which really is, good. which is really good because in the past, before 2005 or 2006, we didn't really have good effective treatment for the wet form. And it wasn't painful, you guys, either. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, she had an injection in her eye in November, and she said that she had a really good response to the shot. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind, we also do those injections for other diseases too, like diabetes or blocked blood vessels. Um, so it's important to also talk to your doctor when they say, you know, they're recommending a shot in the eye, to ask them, you know, to make sure you understand why you're getting the shot too. Um, because we do use the same medications for different diseases as well. So it's a it's they're not embryonic stem cells they're um, mesenchymal stem cells, um, so they actually use uh, it's from the umbilical cord. The, so now really, what I didn't is the hear. source of the stem cells that you are so, using for the? Yeah, no, they're not embryonic stem cells. Um, it's a stem cell line that was developed by Johnson and Johnson, 
Um, and so that's where we, we, you know, we partnered with Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. There's two sites in the country, um, us and Will's, Hosp- Will's Eye Hospital in Philadelphia are the two sites for, the, for this trial. Uh, no, they're not embryonic stem cells. The one they're, that you use? They're from the umbilical cord. Oh. So we would still call it macular degeneration if you have signs of macular degeneration, mm-hmm. but it may not necessarily be the age, age-related form of macular okay. degeneration. So Stargardt's um, is a form of macular degeneration, but it's not related to aging. It's actually inherited. Um, and it usually, vision loss does happen later in life, but it has other signs that are different than age-related macular degeneration. But it can affect your vision under the age of 50. And so that's one of, when patients present with vision, uh, vision changes under the age of 50, that's one of the things that we look for is Stargardt. Hi, I'd like to know about the um, injections that you give. Um, are there... Is the medicine all brand name medication? Uh, no. So the um, uh, the Avastin, I mean, we do buy it all as brand name, but they have other names too. So Avastin is called Bevacizumab. Um, so it's generic? It's it's not generic, but um, so the way the Avastin works is um, since it's it was a, developed first as a cancer drug, um, so the dose that they give for cancer patients is much higher than what we would inject into the eye. It's about, you basically take the cancer drug and divide it into 400 doses. So the, the medicine bottle itself would be very expensive, but then the compounding pharmacy then divides it into about 400 doses. So that's why each individual dose, when we give it for the eye, is much less expensive than the other. Yeah, that's a tough question because the, um, for those of you who don't know, the optic nerve is actually the cable that takes the signal from the retina to the brain. Um, so there is a lot of research in that area, but nothing that I know of right now um, that's you know near on the horizon to, to bypass the optic nerve. Does macular degeneration have anything to do with cancer? It does not have anything to do with cancer, no. Uh, so we actually have 25 locations. Um, we have a table in the room over here to the left. Christina is there with some brochures that give all the office locations. So depending on where you live would depend on, um, but we have locations all over California. We'll do one more question. I'm yeah. actually done with that because this I already talked about. Uh, so. with, the, with the stem cell study, is there a hope for retinitis pigmentosa? Because my daughter, she is following up with some side in uh, uh, not Orange County, in uh, Irvine Center, Regarding retinitis pigmentosa, I mean, with the stem cell? So I know that uh, at, I believe at Jules Stein, they, they did do some stem cell work with retinitis pigmentosa. Our specific study is only looking at um, advanced dry macular degeneration. Now, does that mean that once we determine if this is a viable treatment for that, could we then, you know, then apply it to other diseases potentially? But this, at this time, um, our study is not involved with retinitis pigmentosa. Well, I thank everybody for their attention. So a very, very big thank you to Dr. Davis. I love to hear him speak because he speaks so clearly and he explains things so well. Okay, I want to thank someone else, and that would be Mark Gredget who has provided all the wonderful refreshments today. So please give him a very big hand.